0: Listening to the 47 Podcast, the podcast where two normal guys interview and reminisce about their favorite Christian artists from the 90s and today. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Mike here with Mr. RJ Woods. This is the 47 Podcast. We have a special guest today, Mr. Gen- Jeremy Holderfield. And not Holyfield, but like the boxer of Vendor Holyfield, Holderfield. We have the guitarist here over from Seventh Day Slumber. How's it going today, Jeremy?
1: Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me uh part of this.
0: Listen, we are thrilled. Like, I, I we already got the gelling going on. I'm, I'm not talking about the gelling that's in the shoes. I'm talking about the gelling going on. Listen, it's always a good sign when the when the guest likes Bride. I'll tell you right <laughs> now, if you if you guys don't know who Bride is, you guys my RJ Wood, RJ over here. But if you don't know if you don't know who Bright is, you have not lived life. <laughs> just say it right now. I'm just going to say it.
1: Not as a Christian rock fan, you have not lived.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I will look it up
2: as soon as we are done with the podcast, and I will listen to it, and I will report back next podcast. All right.
1: I can 90s Christian rock out with anybody. So oh,
0: trust me, this this could this could be a very long podcast because I love yeah. anything from brides or white cross even michael w smith to the supertones even like those tooth and nail bands like dogwood the, i could go on and on and on but this is not about me this is about you jeremy over here
2: (laughs) so you are a busy man uh you're a guitarist Uh, I think you've done booking. You're a husband. You're a father. You're a producer. Um, You're doing a ton of stuff uh, over the years. Uh, But let's start at the very beginning. Where did you grow up? Uh, What was it like uh, growing up where you were? And how did you get into music?
1: Man, I'm from Jasper, Alabama, and uh, I've. Whenever I tell people that, I've had several people say, "Hey, man." I've been through there, or I've heard of it, but nobody's ever been there. Like been to Jasper for any reason. They don't go there. They're like, yeah, I passed it, and I'm glad I didn't stop. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Jasper's uh, it's like a little town. It was an old coal mining community in Alabama, and um, dude grew up in church. Just it's whenever you're in those small communities, you know everybody, man. So you grow up with all the same kids in school, and you go to a church with them, and Um, I, you know, that's where I grew up doing that. And so whenever I got into, um, I sang at this, uh, with my sister, if you can believe that I sang with my sister at this talent show at high school when I was ninth in ninth grade. And, uh, this rock and roll band that was in the school, they heard me sing and they were like, Hey man, you got a great voice. You want to sing for us? And I was like, uh, yeah, I want to (laughs) be. So, uh, I started like singing with them and, really um, went to this Billy Graham crusade and really God spoke to me. I was like, you know, Hey, you got, I was 14 at this point. And I was like, he basically told me, I gave you this gift, whatever gift you have, I gave it to you for a different reason than just going out and singing about nothing. Um, So I quit that band and started like a little side band, uh, like a small Christian band with one of my best friends in the world that taught me how to play guitar and, um, i didn't know how to play guitar at the time he was just like we started playing together and he would play guitar and i would sing and we didn't know any other christian musicians so it was like it was just me and him and we had a little drum machine uh that we would play along with and it was terrible (laughs) no that's how it started man like three years of doing that you know just he and i doing small shows at churches here and there in the area and um you know finally i was just like hey I, I. I found this other band that I moved that were about an hour away from where I grew up and they were a Christian band and we moved to Nashville with that band back in 2000 and, uh, or 2001 maybe. And, uh, that was a really rough year, man. Uh, moving from, you know, we all had like our friends, our family, our home, and we had support. We had a small fan base, you know, and, uh, just thought, man, if we move to Nashville and get in front of the right people, we'll get a record deal and we'll be set. And, um, you know, it doesn't work like that. So, uh, you know, we were just super naive, man. And that, that first year up was was really super tough. My parents were going through a divorce and uh, I was just trying to figure out what's going on with life. So I was really struggling my first year in Nashville uh, it was like everything was against you. You know, you didn't have anything going for you. You're starting a new thing, uh, you know, in a place where you have no support. Your parents are going through divorce, and you know, you have you went from making a lot of money at your day job in, in Jasper, Alabama, to not making hardly anything, and just. Like living off of I was literally eating tuna fish out of a can for uh, like a week and a half and got down to eating grilled cheese sandwiches, you know, and uh, started like falling asleep at work. And I was like, why am I I don't have any energy? And then I told my mom, and she was like, what are you eating? And I told her, she's like, well, you're not getting any like real protein or anything you're just eating grilled cheese sandwiches for breakfast lunch and dinner it was the cheapest thing i could do at the time because i didn't know about ramen noodles Uh, (laughs) it would have probably been way worse for me but Mm -hmm. man i went through that whole starving artist thing you know in nashville for about nine months and uh it sucked really really bad really hard and uh i learned a lot and um but those songs in that band, they were all about, I wrote all the songs in that band and they were all at that point. I was playing guitar because I was better at guitar than I was singing. I still am uh, better at guitar than singing, but it, all the songs were about how upset I was at my dad. You know, they were all about how much I hated my dad for, you know, leaving my mom and that, that divorce thing. And it was just really, we moved up there as a Christian band, but the songs just kept creeping further away. I mean, it was real life. uh, But I was in such a dark place that I didn't, there was no hope in the songs, you know? And uh, that was a real rough time in my life, man. And um, I'm giving you guys a real overview here, but I remember, um, I still had to have a day job, right? Because Nobody comes to Nashville and is just like, "Hey, I'm living the big life as an unsigned artist." So I was working a day job and I was working at Target, and I quit my job there.
0: First of all, we, and me and my family, we call it Target. Stay- upscale Walmart my friend
1: dude when you've been working there in that time of your life there's no nothing fancy about it <laughs> I literally couldn't go to a target for about two or three years after
0: uh, that job. That happened
1: to me I worked at Walmart I couldn't go for a while I hated it so much man and um, I lied on my application because I wanted I couldn't afford to live off of like the normal hourly wage I was like I want to be a manager.
0: But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Be a manager there, they were like, you have to have a degree. And I dropped out of college. So I was like, yeah, I got a degree. I'm not proud of this. I'm telling you guys. A lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, I dropped out too. So I don't know. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I know. It's like, Hey man, I dropped. I'm not, I don't feel bad about dropping out. I feel bad about lying on my application, but, uh-huh. but I got the job as a manager there. Like not the store manager, but department running, and, uh, it was like the third time I was going to be late and they were going to do some sort of, I don't know, dock my pay a certain amount, or I don't know what it was, but I just didn't go into work. I was like, forget it. (laughs) And I found this job at a car lot and, uh, I saw that they were going to pay like 350 bucks a week, no matter what. Right. So I'm like, well, I need $350 a week. I'll I'll take it. So I went and, uh, to go to take this job at this car lot. And the first day I'm there, I mean, I've already told you guys how bad of a time I was having while I was, I was, uh, on a serious note, like I was having a bad problem with alcohol because I was so depressed. And, um, just, I mean, there was nothing about my life that felt like it was going right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I was, I was broke. My parents were divorcing or, or divorced at that time, you know? And, um, I just I hated myself. I hated my dad. I couldn't talk to my mom because my mom was going through so much, and I knew that if I talked to her, that she was going to bring up all the stuff she was going through, and I couldn't help her. You know, I'm like I'm in such a terrible place myself. I can't help you, and so I would, uh, and I you know I haven't even really discussed that with her. I've said I've told people this before, but I didn't. I kind of dodged my mom's phone calls and and didn't call her because I couldn't mentally or or emotionally take what was going to happen on the phone call, you know, and uh, because I was going through so much stuff, but so that was, it was literally like the darkest time of my life, you know, and I remember sitting in that car lot, man, and uh, like it they had this, two story used car building. Right. And I'm sitting in the second store, second floor of it, just waiting on this little intro class to start or whatever. And, uh, my, (laughs) to add insult to injury, let me back up just a little bit more too. I was engaged when I moved to Nashville (laughs) and, uh, this chick that I was engaged to cheated on me while I was about after about three or four months of me being there, I found out she's cheating on me. So uh, that was like another kick, you know, while you're down. And so I was just – everything was bleak at that point. And I'm sitting there at this car lot, right, and I hear the ding of the elevator, and I look over, and this amazingly hot chick walks out of the elevator. And I Wait, swear – like, is
0: that my wife? My wife was in the elevator? <laughs> it probably looks like
1: your wife, but it was not her. <laughs> it was literally like, you know – Beams of light coming out from behind. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I swear I saw it and she's got this gorgeous red curly hair. And I'm just like, man, this girl is an angel. That's all I could think of is all I wanted to do that morning was sit next to her. I just wanted to be close to her. And so, of course, you know, I'm I'm smooth. So I, I sit down next to her and we get to talking and uh, I asked her out, you know, that day and she turned me down. Um, I asked her out a couple of times. She turned me down, but <clears throat> she did tell me that she had moved to Nashville for to be around her brother-in-law and her sister. And her brother-in-law is the lead singer of Seventh Day Slumber.
0: Now, so, now it's coming together.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I don't know who Seventh Day Slumber is, and at this point, I'd not told her I was part of a band because everybody in Nashville is in a band, right? <laughs> everybody. So I'm just like, if I tell her I'm in a band, she's going to think I'm trying to use that to like, you know, hit on her or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, no, I'm here with, I'm in a band too. And it's actually a Christian rock band. I was like, you know, I did, but I was, I could tell she was like such a great person just from talking to her. I was like, I don't want her to know what I've been going through, what I've been dealing with. I want her to know the person I'm supposed to be. So, you know, obviously I put my best foot forward and left a lot of holes in the story. Um, but man, you know, we uh ended up dating and uh she's still she's my wife now. Um, That's awesome. we've been married for 18 years. Congrats. And, uh, awesome. But man, God placed us in the right place to, to cross paths. Um and I we got married with in under a year. It was like a nine or ten months, something like that, that we got married after we had met <clears throat> but there's not been a moment that went by in my life where I thought that I make a wrong decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, she's, she's how I met the band, you know, Mm -hmm. her, uh, but she's really without her, man, I don't know where I would have been, you know, who knows what I would have become of me because of the shape that I was in at that point. And I know, I don't know what God would have done after that, but I, it's, it is, uh, 100% god that put us together and 100 god that i'm in i was part of seventh day slumber you know that i'm part of that story and and you know after i they asked me to come out on the, the road and play with them you know because they needed a guitar player and i was still in my other band so i did that for four months we were touring
0: now what year was that when you when they asked you to join the band
1: that was it was 2000 i want to say it was 2002 okay uh, 2002, like January, like they told me, they called me up and they were like, Hey man, we really need a guitar player for this tour we're doing. I'm like, dude, my band's not doing anything right now. So I'd love to do it. When does it start? And they were like, Oh, in two days. So I'm like, <laughs> great. So I learned all their songs in two days and went out on the road and, um, we toured with GS Megaphone and, uh,
0: GS Megaphone. I haven't heard that in a long time.
1: Well, uh, Sidebar, GS Megaphone. You got to get on Facebook and try to follow the guys because they're they're doing another album. I think are
0: they really? Because the last one they did was probably ten years ago.
1: I don't remember when the last one was, but I I know they're all great guys. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's that's just cool, man. I remember
0: his deep, his like awesome, like kind of like a deep voice he had. I've heard that in a long time.
1: Yeah. So there's some excitement there. I'm not giving anything away. They said it on their Facebook pages. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a great tour, man, that we did. And after about four months of that and seeing like, you know, the, the first day that I was on tour with them, you know, we were having a Bible study and I kind of just broke down and I was like, guys, this is what all I'm dealing with. And you may not know that I'm dealing with this, but this is what I'm dealing with. And they were all just like, bro, (laughs) first of all, we could all tell you we're dealing with something and it's all good. We're going to pray you through this man. And so the first four months of that time in the band was really just like a a healing process for me. And, uh, you know, I, I had, I hated my dad at that point. I, I didn't talk to my dad for two years after he told me he was leaving my mother two years I didn't speak to him. Uh, I didn't invite him to my wedding, which I'm not proud of, but that's just where I was at at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, how
0: did he take
1: that? Do what? Oh, how did he take it? I, yeah. You know, I haven't really uh, ever asked him what he thought, you know, about missing the wedding. I think he knows that, you know, whenever, before I get to that, I'll tell you with him, like, I had so much unforgiveness in my heart for that situation and bitterness that it was literally like, You know, if you guys were bitter towards each other and you were so angry at each other, it doesn't just affect him or you. Right. Uh, It's affecting everything in your life, into every part of your life. And that's what it was doing with me. I was like doing so well in all these other things. But this bitterness at my father was like holding me back in all these other areas. But, you know, not to even speak of how it was holding me back with my relationship with him. So I started just praying, God, I forgive him. I, I forgive my father. And I didn't mean it, you know, I didn't believe it. I didn't mean it, but I was saying the words because I knew that I had to, I had to just start somewhere in mm-hmm. those prayers. I don't know. I don't remember how long it went on like that, but eventually it turned into, I forgive him. And it was a real thing. It was like all of a sudden I, I felt like it was an overnight thing where it I legitimately was like, I forgive him, you know? And I think it was maybe just growing on my part and realizing that, you know, any one of us is capable of making dumb, dumb mistakes. And, and uh, I would hope that if I make a really dumb mistake, people in my life would give me a second chance, you know, or a third chance or a fourth chance. Um, But that's, That's the way it went down, man, is I I finally I invited him to come out to a concert we had in Alabama and he came out and I just told him, I was like, Dad, this, you know, this is all the stuff I've been through over the last two years and all the bad stuff. And I I laid it on him. I was like, I feel like if you hadn't done what you had done, then I wouldn't have gone through this stuff. And uh, I said, but. I forgive you and I know that I could easily make those same mistakes and uh, I just, I know that it'll never be the same. Our relationship will never be the same, but it can be good again. It can now,
0: be. Going through that with your, going through that with your parents, what, how, what kind of an effect did it have on your marriage? Cause it, obviously you were probably married after that, but so long, kind of a short story. I used to be a wedding photographer and the one thing that I always found was that couples whose parents are divorced usually get divorced because mm-hmm. that's what they're learning. They learn how to deal with problems the way their parents dealt with problems. And usually they didn't deal with them well because when well, they got divorced. Now, yeah. obviously you're not divorced, but how did seeing your parents' issues growing up ultimately get divorced, did that have an effect on your marriage?
1: It did. I mean, it definitely affected it at the beginning. And um, all I can say to that is, you know, it affected my wife in a huge way. Mm. Um, my wife is I mean, much probably like your guys' wives if you're both married, but my wife is um, so much better than me, right? Yeah. And she's a rock. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she would never tell you that she's a rock, but for me, she was a rock. She's always been the level headed one. If I got mad about something or was pissed off about such and yeah. such, she was she's always been the voice of reason. It'd be like, Well, look, you just need to pray about it. And she's always um she always errs on the side of forgiveness first, you know? And so that's just who she is. Like it's yeah. it's second nature where it's not second nature for me and I want it to be. It is for her. Like she's just automatic. And that's why everybody likes her better than me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's good. Uh, that's fine. I, I want people to like her, as, you know, more than me because she's so, she's just amazing. And I think with her, she put up with a bunch of stuff for me emotionally, you know, uh, just with me being kind of where I was at, she was able to stay strong through that and encourage me. She uh, she never, she never got down on me about not talking to my dad. She understood and she just loved me through the whole thing. You know, she was, she, the whole time, you know, she loved me through it. And she, to me, it's not sneaky, but she would tell me, you know, after I went through something and got it all resolved later on, she'd be like, I've been praying for you about that. And like, I knew that you needed that prayer and I've just been praying that God would do something for you for that. And it happened. So whenever she would say stuff like that, I'm like, geez, you're like, that's a, that's what a woman of God does, man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she never, she would never tell me, you know, she'd never tell me, Hey, Jeremy, I'm praying for you for that. She would just do mm-hmm. it on her own, man. And, um, so I know that God hears her more than me. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, I, I appreciate what you're saying because um, your wife reminds me a lot of my wife. I'm Italian. So <laughs> we, we 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 chew on leather, our foot all the time. Yeah. So I will think I'll say something, then think about it. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said that. Or my wife would be quiet. And then when she says something, it's like, wow, that's what that's what it means. To, that's what it sounds like when you actually think about something. <laughs> yeah. And then my wife is like, honestly, I look at my wife and I say, Wow, God, yeah, you gave me most inspirational woman ever. Like, I see her serving at church and, and encouraged me to serve our church. And I'm like, April, we need to reverse the roles. I need to be encouraging you. But I'm so thankful that my wife is such an amazing person that she just loves she loves God. She loves people, she wants to serve, she wants to see better. She loves our I Every, listen, if you're a guy and you're not marrying up, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I married up. I'll tell you right now. I always tell my wife if she was an animal. She'd be a fox. Yeah.
2: Oh I would assume all three of us are in that, in that, in that same position. But um, your life obviously has gone from, you mentioned moving to Nashville, kind of being at a really low point uh, and then slowly in the process, getting a wife and a job uh, from the same person um, and uh, starting to heal. Um, the first album i think that you were a part of would have been 05 right um with that,
1: Actually, picking up the pieces was the first album that was that wasn't 05 would have been once upon a shattered life i think uh well picking up the pieces was
2: was i think be- was picking up pieces it was before- um 05, in september of it was a re-release um once upon a shattered life was february of 05 yeah
1: yeah uh so picking up the pieces was before that and that was Like the first four months I was in the band, uh, they were kind of writing for that. And I was like, you know, at that point I wasn't even a member of the band, but I was like, Hey, I want to help write too. So I helped write a couple of the songs, two or three of the songs. And I wrote the title cut on the album. Um, But after those four months and seeing what seventh day slumber was doing in concert, like with the ministry and seeing people give their lives to Jesus, hearing Joseph's testimony and just going through all that. Healing. After like, I remember it was in April. I was helping them record their album. Actually I was in the studio. I was, you know, tracking all the guitars and we went to lunch one day and I just told them, I was like, guys, I know that I'm just like filling in until you find your guitar player, but, I really feel like God has opened this door for me to be part of this band. And I really want to be a a member of the band. And they were like, dude, it's on, you're in. (laughs) It was that fast, you know? And, uh, that was really like, you know, at that point, I really, I was always jealous when they talk about trying out other guitar players. I'm like, dang, you know, I want to be the guitar player. (laughs) I finally just spoke up and that's what they were wanting to begin with, you know? And, um, but yeah man that picking up the pieces album was it was really special man we did that with no producer it was i mean Michael martin is listed as a producer, i guess the executive producer, but he was never there for that um, um we just recorded that with an engineer and got in there and and made it happen man it was uh, it was fun it was good times
0: I got touched on too you know one of the things I admire about your band and I, and any band that does what you guys do is. It's, you are a ministry first band second. Yeah. What I, what I like about that is is there's not many. We're just talking about '90s bands, and in the '90s, me, I, me, Christian rock was very different. Not just for the sound, but I find that a lot of Christian bands in the '90s were definitely ministry first, band second. Nowadays, it's very very different. Yeah. It's, it's so you really only have like like Skillet. Disciple, you guys, as far as like the hard rock bands, I can't only I can only in Fireflight's another one. Um there's not many bands who are ministry first. Oh, cutlass, I said Cutlass, that list. Who are ministry first, band second. Yeah. Um why do you think that is? Like I, I guess I can tell you, I guess I understand why it is um we live in such a different society now where everything's all social media getting the likes getting the follows, being popular what do you do you you see this happening like what do you what's your been observations over the past 20 years
1: man i grew up listening to the same music and going to the same concerts probably that you went
0: to
1: i remember going to see bands play i mean not a lot of rock i'm from alabama so there wasn't a lot of christian rock coming through but Um, I know that those bands were ministry oriented for sure, but yeah. Uh, do you do you remember Mylon LeFevre and Broken Heart?
0: Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so I, Mylon used to come through Birmingham all the time, and I would go see them play in uh, Petra too. You know, but I remember those guys. Like I didn't if I went to those concerts, there was not a doubt in my mind that some point in the concert the lead singer is going to sit down on the edge of the stage with a Bible and preach. I his knew that,
0: song, by the way, is Train Up in the Sky. Remember that song? Was that? Marvin, Break o- Marvin's, his, his my favorite song by him is Train Up in the Sky.
1: No, Train Up in the Sky, yeah. my I'm like our newer school Milan would like Crack yeah, 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 the Sky. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Crack the Sky with me. Yes. I love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, but, man, I mean, you knew they were going to sit on the edge of the stage and, and minister. And yeah. man, I mean that those those concerts were life changing for me. Every time I went, it was like going to a revival, man. Mm-hmm. Like it was, yeah. it was huge. And so that's where I grew up going to those things. And so that's and that's how the band that I was in before Seventh Day Slumber, you know, that's when we were back in Alabama, we always did that. That's just what you do. You're a Christian band. You get up there, play your music, but then you share your heart, mm-hmm. you know. And your main goal is to see people give their life to Jesus. That's just, we didn't know any different, right? That's the only thing we knew. That was what separated us from the guys that were playing down the street in the bar, right? Yeah. And uh, so I took pride in that. And then when I got into Seventh-day Slumber, you know, he told me, Joseph told me, the the very, before I went on the road with him, but he was just like, look, man, we're ministry. He literally said that same thing. He said, we're ministry first and music second.
0: Yeah.
1: And he said, we, we believe that, you know, as long as we are putting the ministry first, that all the other stuff, all the accolades, the money, all that stuff will follow.
0: I I love that.
1: Yeah. And he said that to me, literally like that was one of the first conversations I had to him about seventh day slumber, whenever he knew that I was going to come out on the road. And so that was just, it wasn't like a motto, but that's way we live our life. And Joseph, you know, you know his story um, and how powerful it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he shared that every night. We went on, We this is important. This is how much it meant to us, okay? So we went on the Acquire the Fire tours. Have you guys ever heard of Acquire,
0: Acquire the Fire? Acquire Fire. Run yeah, loose, yeah. baby. Run loose.
1: So we did those Acquire the Fire tours, and I am maybe giving away too much information, but the the first year that we went on that tour, you know, we're still a small band. I mean, uh, upcoming band. And we didn't just, they didn't just say, Hey guys, we're going to pay you to come on this tour. Instead, they said, instead, they said, Hey guys, we want you to be part of this tour. This is how much it's going to cost you to, to play.
0: Uh, yeah. I've heard stuff so like that.
1: We paid $2,000 a night. $2,000 a night for a 15 minute set for 15 minutes and we paid that $2,000 no matter how, if it was three times that we played in a weekend, which I think it was just two so it was two nights a week. So we were paying $4,000 a weekend to be part of that tour. Wow. And, um, you know, we'd make it back with merch, merch sales and stuff. Uh, but we only had 15 minutes. And so, the normal band's going to get in there and say, this is, we got 15 minutes. How many songs can we slap in here? Right. Instead, we would say, we're going to get in there and play three songs. And that's going to take up, you know, 10 minutes of it. And then Joseph's going to speak for the last five minutes or three, three to five minutes is what he did. And he shared his testimony in three to five minutes. Every single night, we, we dropped a song so he could do that. And we are like this, we could, you know, maybe, playing one more song might make the, the people like that song a lot. And they want to go buy that record because of that. But he was like, we need to do, this is not why God called us to do this here. He called us to, to speak to these kids. So we did that, man. And it was a game changer for thousands of kids. Right. To oh. Those things they, I mean, the story, the lives that were changed on that tour from him sharing his testimony 18 years later, there's youth pastors, there's moms and dads that are like, man, I went to, the, I got saved at Acquire the Fire at your concert, man. When you guys shared your heart and, and gave an altar call, we give altar calls, man. Uh, I mean, there'd be thousands of kids coming to the front. So we took it back old school, you know, the way we grew up going to concerts, and um, that's just the way we do it, man. And that's that's the only that's the only thing that has kept us where we wanted to continue to do it right because there's not enough fulfillment in it in the money for sure and definitely not in in the like the fame part of it the fame is is fake there it's it's only real for the second you know it's only Mm. real for this right here um if you don't put out the next big album you're not famous anymore you're the guy that that played. Oh you know, yeah, these guys were big back in those days. You're not famous, man. What is that? Yeah. But who cares? So
0: What's what changed? So
1: what changed? What changed?
0: Like, yeah, because what happened? Like, well, I know it's. A, I don't want to get too political here, but the past eight to ten years, this country has changed. I, I really think Christianity has changed. The American Christianity is not true Christianity at all. Um, I, to be honest, with you, I have I have friends on Facebook who are pro-abortion, and I'm like, how can it be pro-abortion to be a Christian? Like, the American Christianity has really overtaken, and I honestly, I really feel like it has really come into parts of the Christian music community.
1: I think that, I mean, that's a that's a deep question that I can only speculate on. You know, uh, I'll tell you what I felt from the beginning until where it is now, of my career. Um, I think the more popular that Christian rock got, I don't think, it, I think it was a slow thing that turned these Christian rock bands. And I don't think it was uh, like one day this Christian rock band was like, well, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Cause that's not cool. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really think that's what happened. What happened was radio changed. Okay, Radio was our way to when there was radio stations playing Christian rock, we had an outlet and we had a place any like we used to play in Oklahoma, you know, once a month it seemed like. You know, we were in Oklahoma all the time because they had a huge Christian rock station there that was killing it, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as that Christian rock station went away or they switched uh, to, you know, contemporary, we started seeing our shows go way down. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we played in Oklahoma once this year, you know? Uh, and it was a terrible, nobody showed up. Uh, (laughs) so it, whenever radio started getting rid of Christian rock and basically saying, Hey, the, the moms, the soccer moms that are donating to our radio station don't listen to Christian rock. They listen to, you know, casting crowns and, and not that and there's nothing wrong with casting crowns oh, cool, yeah, to the ace adult contemporary music only. They don't want to hear Christian rock on there. We're going to replace your program with more casting crowns. Um, then that outlet is gone for the band. So what does the band do? The band's like, well, look, they're not playing my normal stuff, but I have to play. I have to make a living, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the next thing they do is they start with a couple of songs on my album. And we, you know, we've done that where we're like, I've got to write a couple of these songs have to be playable on Way FM. So uh, I'm going to take, instead of using my big gigantic Marshall amp, I'm going to use this Vox amp and uh, switch from my Les Paul over to a hollow body. And instead of Joseph singing with all the grit in his voice, he's going to clear it up, you know, and, and that's how it starts, you know mm-hmm. it's it starts with watering down what you're doing to in order to make a living, right? And so bands when they start changing what they're doing, it they I feel like they kind of lose it's hard to remember where you started and why you started, you know mm-hmm. And so you start putting more emphasis on on that side of things and trying to fit the mold than you do go like doing what you came for yeah and and then in some cases it like changing styles like that blew the band up and they sold a lot more records doing it that way and all of a sudden they feel like they're the reason why this is happening you know and so you know they they don't take time to talk about i do if i told you the bands that we toured with or a, a band that said they would never tour, they would never bring us back out because Joseph uh, shares his testimony, and they just want him to play music. Uh, if I told you mm-hmm. those bands, you would you would be upset, man, and you would be well, like, M- "Yeah, it's just
0: MXPX." M- back in the day, I, I was watching an interview with Mike Herrera, the lead singer. He said he would get so frustrated because the Supertones would preach so much; it would take time away from their set. And they ended up not touring with them anymore because they kept preaching they kept preaching too much.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that we always did, like I under like we never wanted to disrespect another band's time, you know. Um, so we would just always cut our own music. Like if there was this is how much time you got, we wouldn't wait and give Joseph three minutes. We would make sure he had enough time to speak because we never we tried our best to do an altar call at every And, uh, which, you know, some people are like, well, you don't have to do an altar call. You can just get them stand up or to raise their hands or you don't have to do that at all. And that's true. You know, God doesn't have to have you come down front for you to get your life to, to turn you into a Christian. That's not the way it has to go, but, uh, there's something about stepping out, man, that makes it real and stepping into that aisle and saying, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm there's Something's got to change. That right there is a life changing moment. And that was a life changing moment for me when I was growing up. So that's why we did it was mm-hmm. to, to make to give people that opportunity to say, you know what? I don't care who's watching. This has got to be real for me. And so they'll leave their seat and they'll come down and they'll get prayed. with. They'll give information to our prayer team that's down there, whatever it is. But we would always leave enough time to where we didn't cut into the other band's time. You know, because it's, it's their show. If we yeah, were, you know, you now when we started headlining, we were like, who cares, man? We're going to take as much time as we want.
0: I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I, know,
2: uh,
1: I I,
0: oh, go for it, RJ.
2: I came across you guys in, uh, I think it was 04, 05 for a number of reasons. One was Caroline, yeah. uh, the song. And then the second one was on the X albums. Uh, That's how I got into a lot of the Christian rock music that I was getting into was through those X albums, X two thousand three four And I think you guys were on five or six with Break Me, uh, which was another really, really good song. And uh, Oceans from the Rain ended up being uh, one of the more popular songs there. So you guys came out with a string of hits over two albums. What was the decision or what was behind the decision for your next album to be a worship album, which was um, uh, Take Everything?
1: Yeah, so when we did the uh, we did that album that you're talking about, "Shattered Life," that had uh, all those songs on it that you just named, and that's that album was huge for us. I don't know how many albums it's, it's sold. I don't know 150,000 albums or something like that. It's but it did really well for us. And usually, if people say, "Hey, I know you," it's because of one of the songs on that album, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we followed that up with "Finally Awake," which was a lot heavier, you know, a lot more raw and gritty. And it did really well too, you know. Um, but after that, Cutlass had done a worship I think cutlass had done a worship album. No, Cutlass didn't do a worship album. Cutlass uh uh Nail asked them to do it, and I don't know if I should be sharing this, but it did and this may not be the this may not even be the truth, but this is what we were told is that Cutlass turned them down and said no we don't want to do a a worship album yet and so the the record label was like hey we we need somebody to do a worship album and we were like dude we loved playing worship we would do it after the altar calls while people were in the altar we would always play some sort of worship and so we loved it you know and sometimes we'd even do worship sets on sunday mornings at church so it's part of what we do already uh but i was like bro what if we don't do it like we like, let's do it our style. I'll write riffs. I'll write, you know, I'll build this thing out to where it's kick butt, man. And, um, that's just what we did. Joseph let me pick the songs. He was like, Hey man, just find the songs that you feel like would be good for this. So I picked out all these songs and, uh, and, You know, one of them was I was like, one night we were driving the bus, or he Joseph was driving the bus, and I was like, "Hey, man, this is one of these songs I want you to hear. This is a song I I he'd never heard it before, but it was Inside Out by Hillsong, Mm -hmm. and I had been listening to it over and over. You know, the the live version of it, I just loved it so much. And uh, he was like, "Bro, this song is great. Let's do it." So we put it on the album, and that was the biggest song on – that was our biggest song of our career was when we didn't even write. But um, it's amazing how many people thought we wrote that song, you know. But it's – that that album that it was on, um, man, it, it did really, really, really well. The worship album was our biggest selling album to date. And uh, it's just part of who we are, man. We loved it. And doing those worship tours where you're playing those worship songs – you go from the people in the audience knowing two or three of the songs to every single song you play, every single person is singing because they know it. You know, it's a big yeah. song, and for us, that was a game changer. We loved it, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we followed it up yeah. with. You when know, there's a whole nother story behind that, but that's why that's how that came about.
0: I guess nice. I was, so I asked James Mead this question. And I also asked. I'm not sure if you know Joe Yerky from the in- Joe Yerkie from the Insiders. They old um uh, he was the uh an old school ska band from the nineties. But
1: uh I remember the insiders, I just don't know him. I never met yeah, him.
0: Yeah, super nice guy, but the, the one thing you guys all have in common is some of your biggest records were worship albums.
1: Yeah. But
0: <laughs> you guys actually never started off as a worship band. Yeah. And my question to you is this, and before I ask the question. I was talking to James Mead. I'm not sure if you remember this RJ, but um, James Mead is the guitarist of Cutlass. And um, I said to him, I'm like, is it hard for you? Because he's, he's, a, he's a hard rock guy. He's a metal guy at heart, hard rock guy. I said, is it hard for you to not write hard rock metal songs and just write worship songs? And he said to me, he's like, you know, I have to get out of myself Drop the pride to understand what my purpose is. So my question to you is: Are you? Do you want to be known as the worship Seventh Day Slumber, or do you want to be known as the Hard Rock Slumber? What do you want your legacy to be as Seventh Day Slumber?
1: Um, I don't want this to cheapen your make you feel like your your question's been cheapened uh, or anything. But I don't want to be known for either one of those things.
0: Well okay. So what do you want to be known for?
1: Seventh Day Slumbers want to we want to be remembered 20 years from now as the ministry band. The band that always shared the the band that changed people's lives because they talked about God from the stage. I want to be the guy the music that we've created over the years I'm proud of for sure. Uh, I'm proud of the hardest rock song that I've ever written and recorded to the Oceans from the Rain or the Caroline. Like, I'm proud of those. Those are all part of who we are. And I'm like, people, there was some people that are like, oh, your your worship music is good, but we want the heavy stuff again. Well, I'm like, dude, some of the heaviest riffs I've ever written were on those worship albums. So, you know, you're looking at it as a worship album. I'm looking at it as, this is some kick butt riffs, and there's worship music over the top of it, like songs that you all know. Um, and for me, I'm proud of all those those songs, man. And we've Seventh Day Slumber has. There's only been one record where we went into it and said we are not going to write anything on this record that could be construed as anything but a rock song. Like it's just going to be hard rock from beginning to end. Uh, and that was how we went into that album. Uh, we are the Broken. Course, there was one song on there <laughs> that we put in there because it was so good. <laughs> I thought yeah, we should yeah, yeah. try to sell the song to Casting Crowns because it's I literally think it's maybe one of the best songs we've ever written. Uh yeah. Trust Me is on that album. If you haven't heard that song, Trust in Me, go check that out on our We Are the Broken album. Uh, but We Are the Broken, just slamming riffs from beginning to end. We never let up the gas except for that one song, and it sticks out like a sore thumb on the record. Um But that's the only album where we're like, we're not going to do this because everybody's, they want hard, hard rock because we've done these two worship albums. They want a hard rock album. So we gave it to them, you know, and we just got too many fans on both sides. You know, there's, and the cool thing is that they're all like, hey, man, your worship stuff's great. I want the rock stuff, though. Uh, Your rock stuff's great, man, but I want the worship stuff. So we, I mean, we got sixty or seventy year old people in our audience, and then there's, you know, the fifteen year olds. It's, it's all different, you know, and and we love it all. It's part of who we are, but man, nobody's. I mean, people will remember some of these songs for years and years to come. But if you're that person that was gonna kill yourself, or you were you were thinking about ending it all because of what you were going through, and you go to a Seven Days Lumber concert and and they and you give over to Seventh Day Slumber after that altar call. You give them your pack of razor blades where you've been cutting, or, or you, or you come up and you say, "Hey man, I was I was going to end it all, man. Here's the letter that I had written out my suicide note. We've gotten those. We've gotten those razor blades. We've, we've gotten drugs from the people. You know, we've been told by families that hey, we were we hadn't been together. We came back for this concert, but." Our family's going to get back together. You know, the husband's going to take back the wife. The wife's going to take back the husband. Wow, we've had those those addicts that got clean and now they're the worship leader or they're the youth leader at the church that have come up to us. They've got kids that they're bringing to the concert because their life was changed. That lives forever, Hmm. and that's what I want to be known as. And that's what that is the difference because man, music. There's certain bands that their songs are going to live forever. And I think our music's great. I love it. It's really good. It's life changing. There's deep lyrics, but I, you know, I, I I can control one thing. I can tell people my story and how much God loves them, and it will make a difference in their life that's everlasting. Or I can spend all my time trying to make a song that maybe may make a difference and may last for twenty years or ten years. And so for us, that's what we want to be known as.
0: I gotta tell you, I was, I'm um, I'm chatting with a pastor's kid right now, and he's like, "Man, everything Jeremy's saying is so theologically sound." <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, You may have you may have the best answer to that question so far. So you absolutely.
0: know, absolutely. I, I, you know, I said that, and
1: the reason I prefaced it with that uh, I don't want this to sound like it's cheapening your question because I think, like, I understand where James is coming. Like, what James said is actually when you were saying that, what he said, I'm like, dude, I. I'm the same way. I'm a rocker. I'm a riff writer. Yeah. When I'm writing music, it's easy to do that. So oh. easy, so mm-hmm. fun. If I'm writing something that's not supposed to be like that, it's it's harder for me because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a rock guitar player. I I just play a chord and wait. You know. Um, so I get that, man. And um, <clears throat> I've I've always wanted people to respect. Uh, to speak more to like the uh, the other side of the coin, we if you, if I really wanted to show that you guys understood where our band was at and how we want to be remembered. Um, and I can speak for every single guy in the band that that's how they want to be remembered. Um, but on the other side of that, if you say that side's a given musically, I always want people to respect the rock man. You know, because yeah. we've been. Uh, it started for me, man, and that's that's what's most nat- natural for me and what I love writing the most. Um, I really do. All the other stuff, I love it, and it's I enjoy the different elements of you know the hollow body guitars and the Vox. Like I love those tones, those rich cores. But if you put two guitars and two different amps in front of me, I'm gonna pick the Les Paul and a Marshall amp so I can freaking just lay down the boogie, bro. You know, I'm not going to go pick up the Vox amp and the hollow body guitar and start playing pretty chords. Mm-hmm. I'm a rocker. So I want people to love that side of it and appreciate that side of it. And and that's what, you know, in really seventh day slumber has always been known as a, a rock band. We've <clears throat> to our detriment on the worship side and the contemporary side Whenever we've not been played on those radio stations, a lot of the times it was because, well, you guys are a rock band. So I assume that's kind of how we're already known and how we'll always be known.
0: the The reason I love your answer is simply this Ministry. It always comes back to ministry for you guys, and I really appreciate that. And I will say this, and the reason I love everything you're saying is because I get so I'm not gonna lie, I get frustrated. When I see Christianity today be so watered down and so even with the bands, it's almost like we had someone on the other day, and literally just before we went live, the person said, I'm not a Christian anymore. Oh, wow. I was like, How? I remember saying, Well, where do we go from here? But we ended up having (laughs) a conversation.
1: (laughs) Started rewriting your notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But. there's so many Christian artists today. Now I'm not talking about artists that are in K-pop. I'm talking like Christian rock artists who are, they're just either watered down or they're not really actively trying to be the ministers out there. They're just trying to be a positive band. And they might mention Jesus once in a while. Like yeah. I'm like, I can talk about Jesus all day. I, I love talking about Jesus, all the stuff he's done in my life. You know, my mom died this past um, June 20th. Three months later, my dad found out he had stage three cancer. 2020 has been a wreck. You know, not to get too political, but I'm sure we're going to because it is part of the conversation. But even from a political standpoint, it's been a, it's been a wonderful year. <laughs> But you know something, the thing I want to say is is that I believe God controls everything. You know what I mean? We we, start to, we we serve a wonderful, awesome God. And it saddens me when I see people, especially in the Christian music industry, they're just a band who happens to be Christian, but you would never know unless you actually said, are you Christian?
1: Yeah. Well, look, man. There's there's one thing that can speak for itself and i'm uh, this next statement here is not meant to puff us uh, seventh day slumber up or anybody up yeah really just a i want you to think okay um let's take skillet out of the equation because even though a, a skillet is a christian rock band they're not even on the same level as us anymore. They're like us, normal Christian rock bands are just, we're on a different, they're on a different level than us. They're on a different plateau playing playground now. Uh, Other than Skillet being gone, there's two bands that have never stopped that are, you know, that are still currently playing. That's been around since the beginning of 2000 or even before. And the two bands that you would consider headlining bands that they're the only two bands that are out playing all the time are Seventh Day Slumber and Disciple.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: There's only two. Name one other Christian rock band that's touring All that that's what they do.
0: Yeah. There's not. There's not. We, we actually just had sire and Joey on maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah
1: it
2: was right before the holidays, right?
1: And, I want you to also take into consideration now that I've pointed that out, and that's not it, I'm not putting any other bands down because they're out there doing their thing, they're working. But, and, and I will die on this hill the difference between those bands and uh, Disciple and Seventh Day Slumber and everybody else, there's a huge, huge, huge difference. And it's not necessarily music, okay? Seventh day Slumber Disciple both write awesome music. Disciple writes the best music. Um, but there's other really great bands out there that write cool music. The difference is in the message and where what they're trying to do. Amen to that. Amen to that. Two bands that are still headlining bands that are still able to play tours, they didn't just they didn't just get there because of their, their good looks or their good music, okay? They did it because there was music second, not first. And God sustained it. Okay. We, all of us guys in Seventh Day Slumber are doing way better than we should be, like, than a band, a Christian band should be doing in this climate, right? You know, they just, like, we've all got homes and and cars and don't have to have second jobs and stuff. Like, this is, that's what, that's the blessing of God because you're doing what he called you to do and not what you want to do. Right. And man, and I don't want to put any other bands down and it's a shame. We, one of the things that we always have done in the past with other bands and, uh, and it's not a judgment thing. What it is is we want them to come on tour with us because we want First of all, we love their music. We bring out bands that we love their music, mm. but we want them to see what what it's like to minister at your concerts and hopefully them take that into their own concerts and mm-hmm. and grow, you know, because right now there's usually like one or two big tours, you know, it's the seventh, whatever tour Seventh-day Slumber is putting on or whatever tour Disciple's doing, that's it. Right, and if Disciple's on the same tour with Seventh Day Slumber, then there's one rock tour that's happening. Hmm. Um, and that's it's awesome for the fans. But how awesome would it be if there was five or six bands like Seventh Day Slumber and Disciple that were out there doing those oh. bands still, or ten bands or fifteen bands? Uh, you know, I you know I just feel like the ministry is the key aspect in longevity. Mm. And without that, you better have a song that will last eternally and it will be, it's a crapshoot whether or not that's going to happen. I've seen bands come and go over the 20 years. I mean, you have to, they put out one great album and then the second album goes away, but you know, they were the big hot thing at the moment, but they didn't take advantage of that opportunity to really, do what they started. I, I feel like all I I'm hoping. I I want to believe, maybe it's naive being naive, but I want to believe that all those bands mm-hmm. started for the right reason. You know, just like me. It's like, God, you gave me this talent to do whatever, you know, I'm not super talented, but whatever I've got, I'm going to give it to you. Right? Mm-hmm. And God, take what I've got and make it huge. Because trust me, the the guitar players that have come and gone out of the Christian rock industry, tons of them can play circles around me. All right. It's not about my talent. It's about what I was willing to give, you know, and if all I'm willing to give is my song, man, and my music, then I'm not giving enough. And that's never going to be enough. And the ministry is enough. The ministry means God. I'm going to put my stuff on the minute the the music stuff got me to this concert and pulled some people out. This is I'm going to give them you now, and that right there will keep them coming back. Hmm. Um, that's good. So that's you know that's my story, man. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm and I'm sorry if there's anybody in another Christian band that is not uh, you know doing that kind of ministry. You can call me and text me, I probably got your number and you can be mad at me, but that's just the way it is. So uh, you mentioned it before.
2: there we've spoken to a, a number of bands um, that have really put God first in their music, and they're going on 15, 20 years of music. And that's not uh, that's a rare thing uh, in, in music to, to be in a band, to have some of the same members uh, in your band for that long um and obviously your band is is one of them you've been in the band now for what 16 17 years or so um it's it's, now, man. it's been a long time and um you know we're coming up on on this kind of crazy year in in 2020 where a lot of bands um haven't been able to tour and such um you know what's this year been like for you um and i know we're skipping over a ton of stuff for the sake of time here you've come out with many great albums after that but where are we now? Uh, what, what are you What are you doing this year? Um, how How has this year been for you? And I know Mike um, has some questions about this year as too.
1: Um, well, it's important for me uh, for you guys to know that 2018. I don't know if you guys even know this, but I don't even tour with the band
0: anymore. Right? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we're aware. Yeah.
1: So, like, so we were going to ask a little bit about that
2: decision. I read your statement um and it's available i think on your um instagram or twitter um yeah. how did you come to that decision um uh, to stop uh, the touring part you're still part of the band I, I would assume and you're still part of the music but yeah. but what was that what was that decision like for you
1: so in 2018 you know i have a studio i'm sitting you know in my studio right now and i started joseph started rock records mm-hmm. and um he signed two or three of the artists that I'd produced. And, um, you know, after he signed them, he was like, hey, you know, you did EPs with them. We need to do a full album with them. So you need, I need more songs. So 2018 started with, you know, a conversation of me and Joseph at his house. And I said, bro, um, I'm swamped at the studio and there is no way I'm going to finish these albums for you this year if i'm doing the city rock fest tour Hmm. and i was like i don't know what to do and i said the only thing i can think of is having somebody fill in for me for some of the dates and uh he was like you think and i was like i don't know what else to do man i gotta finish these albums and i'm the only person that can do that you know any monkey with a guitar can play my parts on stage um so not to call the guys that are playing now monkeys because they're way better guitar players than me. They're so much better than me. But, um, I was like, you know, I, I need to do this. So I stayed off the road, which was, I went out and did the first couple of shows with them on that city rock fest tour to make sure the guy that was filling in was ready, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I flew home and finished up one of the first albums that I was working on for the record label. And then, Uh, this, you know, after that I had to not do the summer rock fest tour because I was still working on the monks, the giants record. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I had, uh, I did the tour in the fall with them, the small town worship tour. And, uh, my wife was pregnant with our third child. And after being home, I mean, I toured for 18 years. Right. And so after being home for that whole year, And knowing that I've got a third child on the way. My wife, she's always toured with me, right? She, uh, after about three years of being on the road with Seventh-day Slumber, she came out on the road and she started selling merchandise for us. And um, so we've been together this whole time, right? But then after 10 years of marriage, we decided we'll start having kids. So these kids are, now they're growing up in the tour bus. And I've got two of them. And they're both homeschooling on the tour bus or trying to, you know, and it's, it's kind of distracting in the tour bus, right? You get at part at the venue, people are coming in and out because it's, that's what you have to do. You know, you're coming in and out and changing, you're doing stuff. It's your house when you're on the road, that that's your home is the tour bus. So um, it was tough for my wife to drag the kids around the country and try to get them, you know, homeschooled on the bus. And then it was also they they were old enough to start having friends when they were home from, you know, tour their friends across the street, the friends from other people we knew that they would be lonely, kind of like, hey, you know, I want to see so and so. And, uh, you know, at the end of that year, the baby was due in in December after that tour. The tour was amazing. Such a great tour. And uh, I just had to make a decision. I was like, you know. I've done this for 18 years on the road and I feel like this is the band doesn't have to have me on the road to do what they need to do. There's a guy that's capable of playing my parts. He's a good guy and that's all he wants to do is get on the road. He's 23 years old or something like that. That's all he wants to do. And me, I've got a family that I'm trying to raise and I can't imagine my wife bringing the baby on the road and, and having to deal with the two kids and homeschool. And uh, plus I'm an old man, so it's not easy to, to jump in and out of a tour bus and set up for a show and tear down. And I'm like, I just told Joseph, I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm never going to quit. Like I can't quit. This is, I'm, I am seventh day slumber. Seventh day slumber is me. We're together. Like, I'm not quitting. We're related. So, but I just can't tour anymore. And he was like, bro, I 100% get it. So he was he was like it's okay, it's okay man. It's okay. You don't have to worry about anything if you'll just be part of the the music and all that and we'll take care of the touring man. And so that was the decision I made in 2018 and <clears throat> it was the right decision. Uh, I miss I miss the guys, you know, hanging out with them on the bus and and the camaraderie of that, but my kids have great relationships with their friends. My wife, it's easier for her to teach them. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, easier on my body cause I am old. I'm 42 and, uh, it's been easier for me to, you know, to, to be home instead of doing that. Um, but I, you know, it's, it was just the right decision to make at the time. And so I had the, the studio and the booking agency that were growing, um, and I music industry, you guys know how it is and how it's not super. It's not something that you're like, Hey, I'm going to provide for my family for the rest of my life. All yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm 42. And when you're 42 and you got three kids, one of the things you're thinking about is what am I going to do to like, am I ever going to be able to retire or am I going to yeah. die? And uh, not that retirement is the end all be all, but, I just want to provide for my family, you know, and uh, God has been faithful to us and provided way more than what I ever deserve. Right. So, uh, but I've also like for the last 10 years, had this booking agency since 2010, I had it and to book Seventh Day Slumber and then it kind of slowly built into other artists. And then the studios, I really just started the studio literally just for Seventh Day Slumber because I wanted to record our music Hmm. and it turned into recording and producing other artists and uh so those two things are what i really thought well i'm just gonna do these two things now the the booking agency and so i did that hardcore in 2018 and or 2019 uh and a lot of 2018 since i was home i was having to make up for lost income from being on the road but that's what i did man and then 2019 was it was a great year i grew a lot um and was just trying to put all the pieces in in line to grow the agency bigger, but it was still like so much stress. I mean, having a booking agency is stressful. Having a Christian booking agency is even more stressful. Mm. Having a Christian rock agency is the, the most stressful because you went from, you know, this many people will book shows to this many people to like this many people. Right. And uh, so I'm like, man, this is my livelihood. This is how I'm making a living now. And uh, it, was, it was just stressful because I've, I know what it's like being on the road without concerts. You know, if you book a, a 30-day tour and you're only playing 17 of those days, those other days, you're not making any money. You're spending money. Hmm. And Which was Seventh-day Slumber was never a huge deal. We were going to be okay in our tour bus parked in a Walmart parking lot or something. But I was thinking about those other bands. What about the opening artists on those tours that were living out of a van, you know? And uh, like, I would I lose sleep. I would lose sleep over that stuff. Like thinking about them and thinking about their families and there's just so much stress, bro. That's why I'm bald. Um, (laughs) But so that that was really tough, man. And somewhere along the line in 2018, I got a job offer. Uh, from a, an insurance company. And uh, believe it or not, I didn't tell you guys this this part of the story, but I got my license in Alabama um, before I moved to Nashville. Really? Yeah, I was going to quit music, right? Because I was in a band that I moved to Nashville with. But we, before we decided to move to Nashville, I was like, man, this is never going to go anywhere. I'm just playing these regional shows for 50 kids, and I'm not making any money. I need to get a real job. And so I got that that job, and uh, man, within like two weeks, it was probably within two weeks. I remember God speaking to me and was like, "I'm not done with you yet on this music thing. You got to you got to put your butt in gear." And so that's when I decided if well if I'm going to do this, I'm going all in. And I just that's when I moved to Nashville, and uh, but so in my father like growing up, that's all my dad did you know, was that's he's been an insurance agent my entire life. Right. And so I know how people love him and look at him for being the guy that helps them out. And he's just that guy in the community. Everybody loves. Right.
0: Well, you've been pretty successful. I was looking at your Instagram. You were top, top producer for like uh, September and November.
1: Yeah. And December, I just got that yesterday. That's awesome. so, <laughs> Congratulations.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: But it's, you know, I had whenever they gave me that job offer, I was like, man, this is such a great opportunity for me to grow a business that, and the way they treat it, it is your own business. You can do whatever you want. If you don't sell, then you don't eat, you know. Um, but it, to me, I looked at it, I was like, this is a great opportunity doing something that will help people. And but I'm just I didn't know about it. I was like, this is all I've ever known is music. You know, that's that's all I've ever done since I was since I was 14 was I'm going to be a music guy. I'm going to be in a band tour. And then when it's over, I'm like, is that all? I? You know, am I going to be anybody anymore? So I wasn't I wasn't ready to just like jump into that job. They offered it to me in 2018. I was like, well, I'm trying to build this booking agency because I want to keep my foot in the door here and I want to be part of this. That's all I know. And so I prayed about it. Me and my wife prayed about it for two years, two years. We prayed about it. And every single night, God, please give me a sign. Give me wisdom. Tell me something. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to invest my time in this booking agency or am I supposed to just do this insurance thing? Which one is it supposed to be, God? And it was just like crickets every night, but literally, literally for two years we prayed about that almost, almost an entire two years. Um, And I would talk to pastors about it and ask them their opinion. And they were just, it came down to, they were just like, look, your heart's right in this. Both opportunities are good. They both come with their own things. One of them, you're not in the, you're not going to be really, you're not going to be in the music industry anymore. One of them, you're going to be in the music industry, but you're going to be stressed out all like all the time. So, you know, whatever you want to do, God's going to bless it. And um, then 2020 came around and hit us all like a bag of bricks, you know, and uh, man, I had probably 40 to 50 shows that canceled that I'd booked and, uh, you know, sent a lot of money back to people. And uh, at that time I was just, I told Annie, my wife, I was like, you know, I can control what I do. I know that I can control that I'm going to work my butt off for my family and I'm going to produce for my family, but I can't control if a band likes what I, if the band thinks I'm doing a good job or Mm -hmm. I can't control if the band's putting out good enough music that people want to book them. I can't control if the band puts together a good tour or not. Like I can't control those things and those are all things that control my income. And so that's when I just – I told her, I said, this is a prime example of 2020 just saying, you know, as long as you're doing this, you know, you're going to be uh, – at this stage of your career, it's going to put you in a bad position. Because every year right now for me counts, you know, got three kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of 2020, um, before we end this, I want to ask you one more question.
1: Yeah, go for it. I know we've been uh, on it for a while. Sorry for the uh, long time.
0: No, no worries. So I – I I could talk all day. I love this. Uh, I, I love your heart. I love your dedication. Um, Joseph is very political. I love it because I agree with everything he says. I think it's fantastic. RJ, maybe not so much. Or maybe- Why me. you throwing me
2: under the bus like that? I am already. I'm already a non bride fan, and now
0: <laughs> here's it my thing. Here. That
2: can be
1: that can be changed. As
2: soon yes, as look it, it will. It good. will. I will listen to it as soon as we are done here.
0: Um. I personally agree with with everything Joseph said. I think it's fantastic. I think he's he's spot on with everything he's saying. We twenty twenty has been such a um, it's been a terrible year, um, yeah. from a political standpoint, from a personal standpoint. Why, what, as Christians, what are we supposed to do? Like it's been we are so even the church is getting divided over politics. It's it's just been. It's funny, like, like I was saying before. I see Christians who are like there's stuff in the Bible that used to be so black and white, yeah. And there still is black and white. But what's happening is Christians are full of this pride, and they're like, "Well, no, it's it's that's your sin. It's not a sin to me. Well, no, it's a sin to God. That's a sin." Yeah. What are we to do in this this political disaster we're in? I and personally like.
1: I, here's the way I I feel about all of that, and, and and I don't even have to get into political beliefs over this. Yeah. Um, there's some people, I heard this on the radio actually today, so it's funny that you said this, but this, this guy on the radio is like, when is the last time somebody yelled at you about your opinion, and then them yelling at you about your opinion and telling you that it was wrong made you go, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, I'm wrong it's just <laughs> happen right um because it automatically the tone sets sets that up for you to be defensive right and um joseph says what he says because he believes in it so strongly and he's got the guts to say stuff that other people are too scared to say right
0: 100% because i love it
1: because this is a time where if you speak up for your beliefs if your beliefs are on one side or the other you're going to get torn down, man. And Mm -hmm. a bunch of keyboard warriors, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff that no, some people say stuff to him on the keyboard that they would never say to his face. Especially if they have ever met him. Um, But you know, he's, he is basically um, making sure that people know they don't forget that what is right and wrong. Right. He is pointing out the black and white and he's not afraid to say it. And what I have, what I think about people's beliefs and whether or not I think it's right or wrong. I have always been kind of, um, I I feel like you have to approach things in a way where you can tell people, Hey, look, man, I don't have everything figured out, but I do love you and respect you. And I want to make sure that I want to hear you out. I'm going to tell you what I believe. And even if I don't believe what you believe, uh, and I think that you're wrong about it. I may tell you that I think you're wrong about that, but it doesn't change the way I feel about you. And I had to say that to uh, and and I won't I won't name names, but somebody that was close to me uh, is uh, came out of the closet and is gay and got married. and I mean somebody very close to me, right? And so, I had the.
0: Yeah.
1: At that point, to like tell them how wrong they are, right? Yeah. And, but, and I did tell them, I said, you know, hey, you know that I don't think that biblically, to me, it's black and white, that this is a wrong lifestyle. But there's also a bunch of stuff in the Bible that points the finger at me for doing stuff yeah. that I do. And so the main thing that I want you to know is, I want you to know, first of all, I don't think it's right the way you're living. But I also want you to know that I know that about myself, that I got my own problems and that I love you and that I'm here for you. And I don't ever want you to feel like you can't come to me with your problems or talk to me about stuff. And that, that set that convert that from that conversation, there's never been a weird moment between me and that person and I pray for them. And I hope that, uh, that one day that they'll change that part of them you know or they'll they'll come out of that and and not be living in that sin but there's also a lot of stuff in my own life that I hope that I get out of you know and I have to pray for about myself you know and uh, it's it's really just all about if you're going to if you're going to point out something in somebody else's life I feel like you really got to be ready to look at your own in a hard way And that's the thing that a lot of people just don't want to do. And I think that's the hardest part is because it's so easy to just point out the other, I mean, some stuff is so wrong. The abortion issue, like you and I have the same beliefs there and like Mm -hmm. good grief. I I mean, I'm sitting here thinking anybody that thinks it's okay to kill a baby, there's something wrong with you, man. Absolutely. There's something wrong with you. Um, It doesn't mean I don't love you and, and I don't want to talk to you about it, but I feel like there, there's something wrong with you. Like, that's not okay, man. Uh, but I, I feel like it's a scary time, but it doesn't surprise me. Some people mm-hmm. are like, I'm surprised at how crazy things have gotten. And I'm just like, what is it in the Bible that makes you think, think that things are going to keep just getting better and better and better and never get worse? Yeah. Like, my Bible ends the same way that yours does, you know, with the world going to hell in a handbasket. Like that's. Yeah. Old school saying but like this is just what happens and this is what's going to happen in our world and i think it's important for that's why i'm i'm proud of joseph for saying hey look don't don't settle for saying oh you can be like you are it's okay it's okay that you believe that no it's not okay that you believe that but i love you and i'm not going to disrespect you but it's wrong and here's why you know and if you don't believe that, then that's fine. I'm not going to yell at you about it. But I need to let you know that this is how I feel and what I believe. And um, man, I think it's important to just let. There's so many people now that are trying to walk in the in the middle.
0: You can't. It's impossible to walk in the middle and be a Christian. Like, not, not to call you off, but I get so passionate about this because one of my closest, closest friends is a is a atheist. No. No. yeah, <laughs> We our art is great, but this but my friend is an atheist and um, um, he can't stand Christians and um, we I have sometimes can't myself. Yeah, well, me too. And I told him, I said, listen, just because you can't stand what that Christian did doesn't make we all like that. But my point is, we've had these conversations and. He likes my mindset. My mindset is this. I'm not going to be able to change your mind. Only God can change your mind. But I will speak truth. And if God uses the truth, I say that's great. And I know something. I am very, I just want to have a conversation. And I think Christians forget is that Christ, Jesus sat down and had conversations with people who didn't agree with him. Yeah, And that's the biggest thing I'm seeing is that, you know, I personally, um, whether you like Trump or not, I don't you know people who love Trump they're kind of like oh I, I can't associate with people who, who like Biden or vice versa. Yes, you can. as yeah. Christians, we we're, we're not identified by our our political stance we're identified because Christ died for us.
1: yeah I, I will take that one further and say you can't it's not only can you be associated with those Biden followers or those Trump followers but you need to be
0: mm-hmm. you need
1: to be associated with them in a way where whenever they talk about you, it's not about, Oh, that guy likes Trump. It's man. That guy's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I talk to him all the time. Uh, and you know, I think it's, it all comes down to love, man. I mean, it's right there in the Bible, right? Yes. The Bible. The greatest of these is love. And so, you know, I feel like if you can love somebody no matter what their belief is and no matter what they're going through, and they can really truly feel that. And you're not just saying that, then that speaks over any political belief. And those relationships that you have with people that have completely different belief sets than you, but they still talk to you all the time and they don't let that affect your friendship. Um, I think that's a pretty special thing because that yeah. means you've gone the mile with them to say, look, man, I don't love you because of your political beliefs. I love you because you're a brother, you know, you're, yeah. a sister. and God created you just the same way he created me. And I don't, you're, I'm not any better than you. You know, I'm just not, I've, I've felt like I could be worse than you. There's a good chance of it if I'm talking, you know.
0: I've told him, I said, I'm worse than you because I know what to do. And you,
2: yeah. yeah there you go there is uh there is a ton that, that we could talk about i think uh i think right now we are reaching the end of our yes, we, need
0: uh, you, we, need have, we need to have you on again for part yes.
2: two. part do man That's we've only now. we've only gotten through two years of your life so we have a lot more to talk about but um we
0: got we got more years baby to go through <laughs>
1: hey look you know i love you guys man i really appreciate what you do and um uh, anytime i can get deeper you know than just the surface conversation and, and interviews over the music side of things yeah. I love it, man. so um yeah. i appreciate you and anytime you guys want to do it then we'll set it up again and uh and i'd love to be a part of it again so i just thank you for letting me be, man. thank you it's been awesome as as you've heard before we've this
2: is uh, probably our, our seventh or eighth one. We've been able to speak to some really cool people and really different people, too. Uh, but, you know, We've had conversations with people that it was mainly about the music. We've had conversations it was mainly about the faith. Um, we've had a little bit of both. We've had really good stories, and um, this, this conversation was one of those, and I really appreciate it. Um, it's been really good hearing the stories behind the music a little bit um, and kind of getting to know who these people are. For me, whenever I went to concerts or whenever I went to things and heard stories, I wanted to hear the music. Music more because i knew who the people were now so uh, like you have been doing for the last 16 17 18 years um is telling your story on the road i think that's like you said is what's going to make the fans um and and hear the word uh, more than the music ever will even though the music is great so um thank you for coming on again and thank you guys for for listening to the 47 podcast um we will definitely have you on again if you'll have time for us um and uh, thank you for joining us absolutely Uh, once we go, uh, we're going to end the live in a second here, but once we do, if you don't mind hanging on a second and we'll say goodbye. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining us. Have a good day. Night.